This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Thanksgiving. This year, Kelsey and I are thankful for you, our listeners. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, it's Thanksgiving! Yep. 1981's Home Sweet Home and 2014's Christy. Would you know their Thanksgiving movies by the titles? Nope. Nope. <laughs> but before we get into the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Why don't you give me what you got? We haven't actually seen this movie, but we've seen the first of the trilogy, and I'm sure that will be enough to know the answer. Okay. What actor played Ash in 1992's Army of Darkness? I thought, oh, we've only seen the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Bruce Campbell. That is correct. Yeah. Kelsey. Yes. What feature does the baby in Rosemary's Baby share with his biological father? His eyes. What have you done to his eyes? His eyes. Yes, that is correct. Who is his biological father, Kelsey? Do you want to spoil it? Satan. Satan? (laughs) That is correct. All right, our first movie this week is Home Sweet Home from 1981, directed by Nettie Pena, written by Thomas Bush, and starring Jake Steinfeld, Vanessa Shaw, and Peter DePaula. Kelsey, how do we know Vanessa Shaw? She has been in a couple of things, but the thing that we probably all know her from is Hocus Pocus. She is the teenage girl. The only bit of trivia on IMDb for this movie is that it's the film debut of Vanessa Shaw. There you go. (laughs) It's literally all they know about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why don't you tell us what Home Sweet Home is about, Kelsey? An escaped mental patient on PCP. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Has decided to come and kill a family on Thanksgiving for no reason. Yep, Thanksgiving really legitimately is only a premise for getting a bunch of people that kind of don't like each other together in the same house. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, there's a there's a there's a little mini version of a Thanksgiving feast, and then that's like it. <laughs> that is like it. It's only a pretense, but Kelsey, should people watch this movie? Absolutely not. This is on YouTube if you want to watch it, but this movie is god-awful. There's got to be like a compilation of the best clips. <laughs> I literally, if you look it up on YouTube, one of the top hits is the opening scene. Because <laughs> it opens with just like a car in a parking lot off the freeway, and a dude's like, Hey, you want a beer? Like in the car, the driver in the car just yep. turns to a guy who's outside the car and goes, Hey, you want a beer? Hey, you want a beer? Hey! And then the dude just strangles him. While laughing. <laughs> and that's the opening of the movie. Yes. And 
it's a little wacko. Uh, it is a wacky movie. It is. It, it definitely and the, the killer, all he does is laugh, and his laugh and is so annoying. It's dubbed. It's ADR after the fact, and it's like he's this giant dude. Yeah, he's just this really big guy, <laughs> and and he has this high pitched laugh, like cackle, and his laugh is so irritating. <laughs> no joke. Okay, so I'm going on a lot of business trips around right now, and I was gone for last week, and we had to watch this movie way ahead of time to make sure that we'd be able to record in time, and at one point, I think I was on my flight home, I was thinking about, okay, what do we have to do for the show, and I was like, oh, oh, right, we already watched one of the movies, what was the movie? <laughs> Oh, Home Sweet Home. I completely forgotten that I even watched this a week earlier. It went in one ear and right the fuck out the other. Yeah. You do not need to watch this, guys, but we no. will tell you just how ridiculous it is. Yes. When we get back, we will talk about 1981's Home Sweet Home. Hey, guys, this is Chris coming to you live on tape from Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm sitting alone in a hotel room while Kelsey's back home in Southern California. I just had to explain, this trailer is awful. It's literally just a sound clip from the movie. It's the only one that exists anywhere on the internet. So, enjoy. It's 7 a.m. in Los Angeles, and our top story continues to be the intensive police dragnet for an armed and dangerous escaped mental patient. 26-year-old Jay Jones escaped from the Hobart State Hospital for the criminally insane last night after killing an attendant and leaving a guard in critical condition. Jones was committed to Hobart eight years ago after a lengthy and well-publicized trial following the bludgeoning death of both of his parents. We talked with a state police department spokesman shortly after Jones' escape last night. He's extremely dangerous. He's probably armed. He could be on PCP. Jones is Caucasian. Six feet three. Okay. 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 All right. I had to stop it <laughs> I had to stop it there. It's just more of this. It sounds, it's screaming, it's that music, and that is it. But I had to stop it at Jones's Caucasian, followed by a scream. <laughs> All right, back to the show. All right, Kelsey, walk us through the plot, please. So you already told us the beginning. Then we get a little bit of exposition through a radio, which is telling us about an armed and dangerous escaped mental patient. Yeah, lucky timing. He gets, he steal, he, he strangles the driver of the car and steals the car. And immediately there's a radio news briefing that just gives us all the exposition we need. An escaped mental patient. Uh, he's a murderer and he's probably on PCP Meanwhile, as he's injecting he's, his tongue. His tongue. Yep. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> So then we get a ridiculous... <laughs> I, know, I know what happens next. Okay, go. We get a ridiculous scene of him slowly driving with a lady in the middle of the crosswalk, an old, old lady, and she looks up and she sees the car and he's barely driving and she just stands there with her mouth wide open. He honks as he hits the old lady and laughs and blood splatters on the windshield and it is the most ridiculous scene. And then it fades into the title, Home Sweet Home. Yep. Oh my goodness. This is quite the movie, guys. It really is. So then we get to meet... I don't really know if it's a family. Like, 
I know that one of the guys is a renter. He rents a room on the property, and he's brought his girlfriend home for the weekend, for Thanksgiving weekend. One of the guys is like a business partner of the main character. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. So I, I shouldn't say the main character. The patriarch of the patriarch. family is played by Don Edmonds. And I was like, okay, what is this guy, number one, doing in this movie? <laughs> why is his wife so smoking hot? <laughs> and why does he get to grope her? And I'm like, he's he's probably a producer, isn't he? Yep, he's the executive producer of the movie. So he's like, give me a pretty girl I can fondle on screen. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of gross. <laughs> so the the renter shows up with his girlfriend and they're like getting down and dirty in their car where anyone could walk up. Yep. And as Chris said, the patriarch is also having a lot of sex in the bedroom. Like this is all happening in the middle of the day. When they're supposed to be getting ready for Thanksgiving. Right, like the, the movie's just started. Yes. And in walks a mime who plays a guitar. He's holding an electric guitar with an amp strapped around his back. Yep. And he just goes, like, and plays it near them while they're making out in the car. And Renter Dude gets so pissed. And he continues to call him a mistake. And I'm like... Why is that, like, the big insult? That's just his name. Yep. His name is Mistake. Yeah. And he is apparently the son of the patriarch of the family. Who he also interrupts while they're while having they're sex. While they're having sex. As he's, as Renter Dude is chasing him around relentlessly. I will kill you, Mistake! <laughs> Running around the house, they burst into the patriarch's room where he's getting down with his... Uh, second or su some subsequent wife, we don't know. And then she gets super pissed at him and wants to kill him. It's like, why does everyone care so much about this guy? Yeah. And then there's just some random Mexican woman playing guitar. She's going for a long time, all day, all night. <laughs> Yeah. Who apparently is there with the business partner guy. Yeah. I don't know. This movie does not do a very good job of setting up the relationships of everybody. Yeah. So there's a lot of him running around, people wanting to kill him. I think the lady that the patriarch is having sex with is either... I don't think he, she's his wife because they kind of give her like a first name basis instead of mom. And well, that's she, the thing. No, he's not... She's not their mom. She's just his new wife. Okay. And at one point, she's like, maybe I can slip some arsenic into his soup. Yeah, no, they're like, oh, God. I can't take him anymore. He's got to go. Really? Definitely. Bury Definitely. him deep. I'm going to kill myself. Make that a double value. What's the matter? The kid getting on your nerves? Maybe I can slip some arsenic in his soup. Hi, I'm Gail. Ugh. Just, oh, God, everyone's so violent and angry and over the top. And and then they realize that they have forgotten to pick up wine. And this other lady who's randomly there, I guess. No idea who, how she relates. A friend? I don't know. They go off in the son's car. Or not the son's car. I, I thought he was the son at the, the time. The renter's car. The renter's car because her husband's car is on the blink, as yep. they put it. So, okay, you guys need to remember that. The husband's car is on the blink. <laughs> so they take the re the renter goes, oh, you can take my car. And they're like, okay. Later on, when they're gone, 
and it takes them a while to come back, the renter's like, oh, I forgot to tell them my car just breaks down sometimes or the gas gauge is broken. Yes. So they they might run out of gas. The whole reason you gave them your car is because the other dude's car is broken. Yours is too. And you failed to mention that. Yes. It's so frustrating. But these two women have these god awful conversations where they're just talking over each other constantly, (laughs) like just trying to have like these. Uh, candid conversations, unscripted, maybe, but they're just saying words over the top of each other, and it's the most ridiculous thing ever. I don't blame you. Oh, gosh. I could use a Valium. Is this Gus car? Hey, Hey, hot hot car. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Oh, but you know, I still can't believe I forgot that dumb one. This road is really a bumpy thing. I love it. Oh, yeah, well. Maybe we can find some guys to make up for the I'm afternoon sure. that I'm, I blew. I'm, I'm sure we can. Yeah. Here. Whoa. But who cares? It gives me a chance to get out of that nut house. Yeah, well, maybe my subconscious is working to save my sanity. Wonderful. I think they ask, like, what the Mexican girl would want to drink, and the boyfriend or... The business partner is like, oh, she won't drink anything. She hates to go to the bathroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, just what? She won't drink anything. She hates to go to the bathroom. Oh, God. <laughs> I just don't know. This movie is so full of footage of people just like walking or driving, like set to kind of sneaky music. Do, 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 do. Nothing's happening. They're just walking around. It's got this sneaky music happening. The killer's not even there yet. Uh, At one point, the the mime is actually talking to, what's her name? Vanessa Shaw. Vanessa Shaw is a very young girl. She says, I love you. And he says, I love you too. And he says, more than anything. And she goes, even more than your guitar? He goes, more than anything. So then he does some magic tricks. Yeah, it's really cute, too, because they're like half brother and sister. I'm not sure if she is the new wife's daughter or not. No idea. But she's definitely the patriarch's daughter. Yes. And and mistake, the mime is the patriarch's son. Yes. So they're, they're brother and sister, and they love each other, and it's really cute. Yes. She is adorable, by the way. Um, she really is. She's really adorable. Um. So then the phones go out. Oh yeah, because we because <laughs> the killer shows up eventually and decides he's gonna cut the phone lines. Uh huh. But it's really weird. We just see him cut a cable up in like the lattice of <laughs> of the of, of the roof of the house. And then, like, none of the lights go out. We don't see what happens. And we don't find out till way later that the phone lines are that that's, that was the phone lines. Like, it, it's just so much just randomly just kind of happens. And the movie doesn't really care if you understand what's going on or not. What, why does the patriarch leave? He leaves. I think he goes to look for the two ladies. So he goes out and I he think. takes his car and then it it won't restart. Like, it stops and then it won't restart. And uh, he thinks he's out of gas first, right? So that's what happens first. And he he comes across this car, which we know to be the killer's car. Mm -hmm. And what does he do? Hey, whose car is this? And then he just fucking siphons the gas out of the car. (laughs) Yep. Okay. (laughs) 
That's just a thing. Hey, hey, free gas. I found a car. Yep. And then when he gets back in his uh, Jeep or whatever it is, it won't start because the battery's dead. So he's like, well, fuck it. I'll just steal the battery now. And he pops the hood of this car and he goes to steal the battery and he has his head in the in the in the engine compartment. Oh my god. Here comes oh. Killer. Oh Huzzah! He leaps and elbow drops the hood <laughs> of the car down on top of the guy, smashing him into the engine compartment. And this shot is hysterical because when he when he falls on it, there's like I think it's like a fake. Oh, like, yeah, it's, it's obviously like a stuffed body. Exactly, and it yeah. goes straight down. <laughs> it pitches him. Think of when a, when a, when a, uh, when a hood closes, <laughs> like that, that millimeters opening right there, that closes completely down on the dude. And then the next shot, when we know there's obviously a person in there. Now there's a body. Now there's a body. <laughs> it is, this movie is unbelievably bad. Like, at, at one point I wrote, how is this a movie? Like, I don't... <laughs> Understand how I got think made. it was just an excuse for Don Edmonds to touch a boob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think so. Yeah. So then he's been gone for a while now. So now the business partner's pissed because he's like, I only came here to talk about business. So he's going to go. <laughs> business, business. We need to discuss business. Yes. So he's going to go look for the patriarch. And then the renter is like. I'm not coming with because I don't feel comfortable leaving these people without a man around. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This whole time, by the way, this whole time, we still don't know that the renter is just a tenant there. It still has not been revealed. <laughs> just FYI. So now the women in the car are lost and they get pulled over by some cops. <laughs> and. The the main chick, I guess the the wife of the patriarch or whatever, is just flashing her tits to the cop. It's like, oh, I can't get a ticket. Oh, no. And they're like, I think we can let them off with a warning this time. Oh, my God. And then they say really shitty things about them. Yeah. and How they're going to get them drunk and how they're going to talk, like, get them later. Yeah, but then the women are like, those cops were really cute. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> Like late 70s, early 80s cute. Kind of overweight with a big bushy mustache. <laughs> so then they they the car breaks down after that. So then they just decide to walk through the woods in the middle of the night. And the Okay, this is something you need to know about the killer. He never like sneaks up on people and grabs them and like slices their throat or whatever. No. What he does is he leaps from outside of frame and just, like, hops into the frame. Ha-ha! And then attacks them. He pushes over one of these girls who's who falls and hits her head and dies. Yep. She's just dead. Okay. And chases her uh, through the other girl through the woods. Yeah, but before that... There's a scene where, like, the little girl is by herself. Her name is Angel, I'm pretty sure. It is Angel, yeah. And she's sitting there, and she looks as if she's looking at someone or something. We don't really see if she sees anything, 
but it's ominous. And then the next time we see her, all we can see are her legs sticking out from under the table. Yeah, and they're like, oh my God, is she dead underneath <laughs> the Thanksgiving table? And then they, and yeah, like me and Chris were just like, oh my God. Did they God. kill this little girl? And then no, she's just sitting under there eating. She's sneaking food from the Thanksgiving <laughs> feast. So uh, the killer killed the other girl, the other woman, with a broken bottle like stabs her to death and then that's it and he goes back to the house so the rest of the people start eating so this is the rest of the people are <laughs> businessman's already gone yes right so it's mexican mariachi lady <laughs> like no joke that's how they play her <laughs> she's she's wearing like something you would see in a western and she plays guitar and sings really songs really loud and obnoxiously yeah. And, okay, that's really bizarre. So there's her, there's Tenant and his girlfriend, there's Angel, and there's Mistake. I'm pretty sure that the Tenant girlfriend at one point says, she's so Latin. I love how Latin she is, or something <laughs> like that. Like, Jesus. Yeah. So there's only five people left, and it's these five people. The young girl, the renter and his, and his girlfriend, the mime, and the... <laughs> Mexican singer lady. And they're all eating. And they're all just going to eat. And then the mime spills something on the Mexican lady. Yes. Uh, okay. Maria is her name. Big surprise. So <laughs> Wikipedia says that Mistake is a Kiss Army soldier. And that's why he paints his face like that. And that's why he plays guitar. But here's the thing. He's a real mime. <laughs> like the actor. Like, that's what he does for a living. That's why he does, like, magic and stuff like that. He's an entertainer. I think the whole painted face makes him look kind of like a Kiss Army soldier. Like, I think that's just incidental. Like, I think that just happens to be the case. They never say it. Yeah. I guess somebody just put it together and put it on Wikipedia because he has a white painted face and he plays guitar. Oh, he <laughs> must be a Kiss Army. No, he's just a fucking mime. But he talks. He talks in this movie. Yep. Anyway, so he spills something on Maria. And so they go to get it all cleaned up. And Mistake is like, I'm in love with you because she plays guitar and sings. He's in love with her. And, oh, yeah, I'm take you back to my room and get you all cleaned up or whatever. Nothing ends up happening. She's super pissed at him. And so she goes to the bathroom next to his room to clean up. And he goes to maybe find a shirt for her. And she looks in the shower and one of the dead women is in there. And then she turns around and there's the killer. And the killer has a knife to her throat as Mistake comes back. And the killer's like, ah, you do anything and I'll kill her. Ah, da, da, da. Yep. And so he tries to get away. Um, he try so the mime offers himself up. He keeps saying, take me, take me. Yeah. And then the killer goes... Listen to me, man. Women are no good. Just like my mother. They all deserve to die. Oh my God, please take me instead. Please don't hurt her. Please. Listen, man. Listen to me. Women are no good. Only cause your problems, man. My mother was no good like that. Crazy. No, please. 
<laughs> so like, okay, so they're trying to give us a background for this guy, but then it ends up being bullshit because then he just kills the mime anyway. So he, he he kills indiscriminately. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. Yep. Oh, he catches him on fire. So what happens is he 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 ends up just killing Maria. He stabs her. And he chases the mime around. And then he like grabs him and like like slams him into an electrical box and, and electrocutes him with his electric guitar. Yes. And then he catches on fire. Which is not how things work, by the way. <laughs> There's not enough electricity traveling through a guitar to electrocute somebody. And if you slam a human being into an electrical box like that, if it didn't short out, they would still get electrocuted. There's no need for the electric guitar to be there. It has nothing to do with anything. They just thought, oh, what if he was killed by the electric guitar? Electric guitar, you say? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole premise. <laughs> okay. I, I realize now I'm looking at my notes that I called the uh, the tenant. I called him the Ken doll. <laughs> so the Ken doll finds Maria dead just out in the open. And he's like, oh, God. Yeah, he's like, what's going on what's around going here? What's going on around here? <laughs> oh, God. What's going on around here? Like, it's not, he didn't find a fucking dead body. <laughs> but then he just assumes that mistake went crazy. How fucked up is that? Right? <laughs> that pissed me off so much. Like, you just assume that he's gone on a killing rampage? Yes. Mistake has gone like immediately, and they make every decision after this point under the guy uh, under the assumption that mistake went crazy and killed Maria. Okay, so he tells his girlfriend they need to protect Angel, and this whole time they think they're hiding from mistake. And surprise, surprise, the tenant and his girlfriend, Kendall and his girlfriend, are the surprise protagonists of this story. <laughs> Like, did you know? <laughs> Apparently they are. You would have no idea. It's like it's like it's the Alien franchise or something. So, I mean, you have a woman who becomes the surprise protagonist of a horror movie. And then she gets all motherly and has to be protective of a, of a young girl that's not hers. Mm -hmm. It's like it's the Alien franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... This whole thing boils down to they're they're locked inside, and Angel has to go to the bathroom, and so, <laughs> oh my god, this is all coming back to me. So Kendall decides, what is his name? I'm sorry, guys, I don't mean to not call. Somebody called this out for not calling characters by their actual names. Wayne Scott, I don't know which one he is. <laughs> Kendall Tennant. That's just what we're gonna do. He's he's a Kendall. He takes Angel to the bathroom because his girlfriend doesn't feel comfortable doing it. And he's just, they're just walking down a hallway and he's just like reassuring her. And it seems almost like this is unscripted. He's just like, it's okay, Angel. We'll be safe. There's nothing going on here. It's like he's trying to fill time because he knows that the killer's going to hop out at them. And I mean that literally. The killer just like hops out of them. <laughs> ha ha! <laughs> pops out. And he gets surprise jumped. It was absolutely hilarious. This dude does not have any special powers beyond just being a real strong dude on PCP. <laughs> he hops at people from off screen. It's so fucking great and kills Kendall. And Angel gets away. 
And now the girlfriend's running away. She finds a tiny little closet, like, you know, one of those small doors that some houses have that go into these storage spaces. Mm -hmm. She finds one of these storage spaces and then just fucking faints. (laughs) Just faints. No reason. Nothing scared her. She's just overwhelmed by everything and she just faints. Cut to the next morning. It worked. She fainted in the closet and now she's survived until morning. Yeah. She goes outside to look at like what's going on to see if she can get out safely. And cops show up. No. The killer hops out at her again. <laughs> ah, he's still there. He's been waiting the whole time. That's right. And apparently he's still feeling the effects of this PCP. <laughs> Meanwhile, the cops show up and they find the one woman that they pulled over the night before. They find her dead, head smashed in on the rock. They're like, oh, God. And then they follow all these dead bodies and everything back to the house where they find the girlfriend, Jennifer, being attacked by the killer. Who is just laughing and staggering and just keeps pushing her down. (laughs) Yes, he's just toying with her. Mm -hmm. And again, all the cackling laughter. And... And one of the cops uh, put, points his gun at the guy, and the other cop is like, is that thing loaded? And he goes, I hope so. Why is that dialogue in there? I don't know. And he just very slowly shoots the dude. <laughs> this is the slowest shooting I've ever seen. Yep. He shoots the dude, and he falls down dead. So, one cop takes the girlfriend, Jennifer, Puts her in the car. Not before saying, you'll be all right. You all right? (laughs) You all right? right? That's where I wrote, I feel like this has secretly been a comedy the whole time, but it's a bad one. (laughs) Right? I don't think it is. I I think they tried to be funny in spaces, but I don't think it's actually a comedy. I think they thought this was going to be some schlocky horror movie that make a few bucks. Apparently, I would assume it didn't make anything. Anyway, so they had already found Angel. She's already in the cop car. And they put Jennifer in the cop car, too. I know. I wrote, where was she? Where was Angel this entire time? Apparently, they found her in the process. And she's like, it's back at the house. Killer's back at the house. That's how they found their way to the house. And I actually have written here during this whole time. Are we still watching this? (laughs) Tell me the PCP keeps him going. (laughs) And sure enough, as the cop goes to check on the killer, his eyes open and the movie ends. Yeah. Was that ending supposed to be scary to us? Were we supposed to be frightened of the fact that this guy is still alive? I don't know. And then the credits start with the credits halfway up the screen already. It's really bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) That's the plot of Home Sweet Home. Kelsey, lightning round. Do you have anything? I do. Okay. There's some really funny, funny lines in this movie. When Renter is trying to get down and dirty with his girlfriend in his car in the middle of the day. Yeah. He, he like, laughs and says, Jesus, you're so horny to his girlfriend. Yep. You feel so good. <laughs> mm. Jesus, you're so horny. <laughs> <laughs> you're so horny. When the singer interrupts his dad and the lady having sex, he goes, wow, oh, wow, two for the price of one. Hi, cutie. (laughs) Just 
And then at one point he goes, rock and roll forever. Rock and roll forever. Maybe she'll be successful. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why he's probably, I want to rock and roll all night. He's a Kiss Army soldier. When they're all sitting down to eat, uh, the renter guy is saying, look, I'm not worried about the men. The business guy is probably in some bar watching football and something else about the other guy. And he goes, but I am worried about the girls. And then a little bit later, he laughs and says, because they have my car. Meanwhile, they're dead. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Jesus. That was supposed to be a joke. Yes. So, not only is this one of the very few movies that take place on Thanksgiving, like, very few horror movies that take place on Thanksgiving, especially if it's a slasher, there just aren't slasher movies that take place on Thanksgiving. There's one called uh, Blood Rage from 1987. Also known as Nightmare at Shadow Woods. That one set on Thanksgiving. Um, there's in the Grindhouse trailers, there's a Thanksgiving slasher, uh, but it's obviously not an actual movie. This is one of the few horror movies directed by a woman, Nettie Pena. This was directed by a woman? Uh huh. Oh no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was directed by a woman named Nettie Pena, and she has done. Uh, virtually nothing. Yeah. She directed this in some documentary called They're Not Green. And that's it. <laughs> she was an editor in, ni- in a 1978 movie called Dracula Sucks. <laughs> and that is basically it. Uh, at one point when it's just the renter, his girlfriend, and Angel, they're sitting in front of the fire and she's holding her, and she's like, it feels so natural holding a child. And she's, like, got her arms, like, totally wrapped around her, right? Yeah. And then they they just start making out. Her and her boyfriend are making out while she is just holding this little girl. And I'm like, way to give this girl a complex. Yeah, that was a little weird. Super uncomfortable. They, but they had this, like, whole family dynamic almost, which was also a little weird. It's like, that's not your baby. <laughs> that's not your daughter. At one point, the renter is worried about the house, so he, like, walks through it, and we get this whole scene of him walking through the entire house. See? And then nothing happens. Right? It's just tons of scenes of people just slowly walking around to to sneaky music, or driving to sneaky music. Oh, man. I think, I, I think, I mean, there's t- there's a bunch of things that are just nuts about this movie, but I think I'm done. Yeah. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It doesn't have an official Rotten Tomato score. Okay. Obviously not. But it does have an audience score. What do you think the audience score is? Five. <laughs> <laughs> it is 16%. There you go. Overrated or underrated? I'm going to say over. <laughs> what? I'm going to give it a nine. A nine. I'm giving it a nine percent because it did make me laugh a couple of times. It's fucking ridiculous. It is. See, it's it's unlike <laughs> unlike a movie like X-Ray. Oh, yeah. That's not wacky fun. Right. And uh, the only things that are entertaining about it are like, <laughs> what are these choices? <laughs> At least with Home Sweet Home, it's some of it is just so fucking wacky. You can't help but laugh out loud. Yes. 
I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I will give this movie an 18. Ooh. Yes. An 18. <laughs> I would give it a higher one if the laugh wasn't so irksome. But that's part of the hilarity. <laughs> but I, it didn't, I didn't find it funny because I was just like, this is just such an, an irritating laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. This movie's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Thanksgiving is halfway over yep. with 1981's Home Sweet Home. The good news is, is that the second movie isn't anywhere near as awful. It's not anywhere near as awful. That is correct. So before we get to our next film, though, Kelsey. Yes. Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. In 1970s, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Oh, God. What is the location where Sam first witnesses the killer in action? Where's the first murder take place? It's in a museum. An art gallery. An art gallery, yeah. I guess I'll yeah. give it to you. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know what I'm talking about <laughs> when I say that. He's trapped in that little vestibule. and yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a great moment. It's so it awesome, is. yeah. He's just, he has to watch this woman get killed and he can't do anything about it or get help from anybody. It's pretty awesome. Kelsey. Yeah. I have a much easier question for you. Okay. This is legitimately a question. What was the name of the Stephen King novel that the film Pet Cemetery is adapted from? Pet Cemetery! That is true. It says on the back here Pet Cemetery. The film and novel share the same name. <laughs> Almost done with reading that book, by the way. Yeah, and then I gotta I gotta read it too. We gotta be done by the time the movie comes out because even though we love the movie, we've actually it's one of the Stephen King novels we've never read. Yep. So excited to finish that one. Mm-hmm. All right, Kelsey. Moving on to our next film. Yes. 2014's Christie, a movie that for the most part, really, really flew under the radar. It had a limited theatrical release, actually, and then it was uh, purchased by Netflix for distribution in America. Directed by Oliver Blackburn and written by Anthony Jeswinski, starring Haley Bennett, Ashley Green, and Lucas Till. Mm -hmm. What is Christy about? A girl is left on campus uh, alone during the Thanksgiving break. Yeah, so in the last movie, Thanksgiving was an excuse to get everyone together. Mm -hmm. In this movie, it's the reason that our main character is alone. Yes. And she is targeted by a cult that goes after pretty rich, blessed, pure girls. I mean, you could have called this movie Becky. Yeah. But it's called Christy. Christy is their name for, yeah, these pretty rich girls who haven't gone through anything difficult in their entire lives and they have everything they want and yada, yada, yada. And the object, this cult, like, just goes around killing throughout the the country. Yes. Just killing these girls and then sharing the kills on their secret dark web website that they share all this stuff on. Yes. There was a rumor going around for a long time uh, that there's like a game online that you had that forced you to kill people yeah that's just creepy pasta stuff yeah i mean there are i like there are murders that make it seem like it really happened or maybe it's suicide i don't remember but um it's kind of like that if you heard about that story that's kind of what this is like so pe should people watch the movie though 
Look, it's not a perfect movie by any standard. No, it's not. But I enjoyed it. So did I. I liked it. I thought, and I thought it did some interesting things. So did I. If if you can deal with the fact that the movie is really, really muddled in its themes and in its messages, like it does not know what it wants to say <laughs> at all. <laughs> and we'll talk about that when we get into uh, the discussion at the end of this episode. But it is like very competently made, and there's a lot of stuff to really like about it. Yeah. I'd say if you've got nothing else to do and, and you have a Netflix subscription, just go ahead and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. K-R-I-S-T-Y. Yes. Also not exactly the most descriptive or easy to find title. So that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But oh well. So take our advice or leave it. And when we get back, we'll talk about 2014's Christy. I'm crazy about you. I want you to stay with me. This one time. You know my family. I have to go. You can't stay there by yourself. Mom, the flights are too expensive. I'll be fine till Christmas. It's weird, I've never seen it so dead here before. Overnight, police in Oregon announced they found the 21-year-old's body on... There's people out there. They followed me here. I'm going out there. Nine one one. what's your emergency? There are people trying to kill me. I need help. We're already here, Christy. All right, Kelsey, why don't you walk us through the plot? We open on some flashes of girls being killed, hooded figures, the whispers of Christy, um, men walking around in the woods smoking, girls being murdered, leaving people behind while whistling. Whistling, Jesus loves me. How twisted. This was my initial response to the stuff that's happening in this. I I wrote down, oh, Jesus, is this another twisted youth and their technology and social media? Eyes roll out of my head. (laughs) And the villains are Uh anti-Christian? Christy is a reference to female followers of God? Yeah, it says kill Christy, kill God. Yeah, like there's this kind of anti-Christian thing that these villains have. Also anti, like, bougie pretty girls vibe. Find them. Hunt them. Know their fear. Yeah. And it's, it, it, the movie is very unclear as to what the motivation of these people are. Like, and what the theme of the movie is. Is it, you know, anti-Christians are evil? (laughs) Is it, you know, the youth and their social media? I think it's more about the youth. And peer pressure they're becoming disaffected. I think that's more what it is. And separated from reality and then able to kill and and so youth and social media are bad. Like or or like, you know, is it the whole if you have you haven't suffered and gone through life, then you haven't really lived and you can't survive on your own? Is that the theme? 
because this movie jumps around between all of these and it puts the most minimal amount of effort into addressing them. And it it starts here in this opening montage Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes throughout the whole movie of just tiny little efforts to address a theme and then just completely abandon it and not really explore it in any sort of depth. (laughs) And it's one of the movie's biggest failings. Right out the gate, you get exposed to it. All right. <laughs> also, we see that they're, they're, the school's uh, in a letterman jacket. The school's initials are BC. Is that like a before Christ reference? Like, that, who knows? Who knows? Doesn't matter. They show us that there's lots of videos of these people and that more will follow. And it says they are weak. They are Christy. Yeah. So. Like in the line from Jesus loves me, they are weak, but we are strong. Okay. <laughs> Chris knows more about this stuff than I do. You don't know the lyrics to Jesus Loves Me? Uh, Jesus Loves Me, I know for the Bible told me so. See, that's the thing. When my grandma raised, uh, uh, my grandma did not raise us at all. But when she took us to church, uh, it was like basically the only time in my life that I went to church um, in my in my like really young youth. She taught us Jesus Loves Me. But instead of the Bible told me so, it's I know because he told me so. Like, she was big on that. You don't do anything just because the Bible said it. Do it because you feel it in your heart that Jesus loves you and he's telling you that. And so it always, I always kind of resented this song after that when people are like, I, you know, the Bible told me so. It's like, that's, that's the reason you do it? It's because the Bible said so? Yep. That's my own little personal thing. Very unique experience for me. So we see the we see the college campus. All the kids are leaving for Thanksgiving. We meet our main girl and her boyfriend, Justine and Aaron. Yes, and we learn that she needs to keep her grades up because she has a scholarship. So they're making it clear from the get go she's no Christie. She doesn't have money. Um, yeah, she needs to earn her way. This again relates to that theme of. You know, yeah, because she has suffered, she can survive, whereas the other Christies did not survive. And that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, it's a little shitty. Yeah. Like, is that the point that the movie's trying to make? Because it kind of leans in that direction. Mm -hmm. And it never explicitly states that that's not the point it's trying to make. So we have to assume that that is. Mm -hmm. Is that whereas all the other girls who were actually Christies failed and were killed, the one who's not really a Christie you know puts up a fight so what do we have to take from that yeah that kind of sucks yeah we learn that she is in chemistry class which will come up later and that she's a swimmer which will come up later yeah (laughs) i feel like they did a a good job of making this a little bit subtle by making it seem mundane you know, you get these sort of montages when people go to school. Oh, they're in class and the science teacher showing how, oh, and there's this whole like thing where she talks about and they never address it again, where she talks about how Einstein thinks that God does not play dice with the universe. But Heisenberg But does. Heisenberg does. I mean, Heisenberg, it's Breaking Bad. One of the first demonstrations that he does in in Breaking Bad when he's still a teacher is showing explosive chemical reactions. So we get the same sort of thing here. So that's a demonstration that she gets in class is uh, the teacher. It's talking about unexpected outcomes, and that's what Heisenberg was all about. And, you know, like sodium nitrate mixed with water combusting. 
And that's just mundane. Like you would expect to see that in a science class in college, them doing fun little scientific things like that and her going swimming. It just seemed kind of natural and mundane. And that's kind of the point where they do come back and this movie kind of does a good job of not like laying it on really thick with all the Chekhov devices. The problem is, is that it gives you far too many that lead nowhere. Like what? Like her telling the security guard, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Like, right, and that goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of little things like that, and some of them come back up, like we just said. But maybe that's a good thing. And chemistry come back up, but the fact that her boyfriend is only two hours away is pointless. The fact that uh, she tells the security guard, I'll be back in 20 minutes, is pointless. Well, it's not the, – the boyfriend isn't pointless because it does explain how he can get back to the campus, which he does later on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, like – It really does – the movie does, I think, a good job of just messing with your expectations in that way. There's a lot that's really predictable about this movie. Do not get me wrong. A lot of it's really predictable, but that doesn't mean it's not fun because it's a little different, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, we have all this montage of her going throughout school stuff, and then she has a conversation with her boyfriend about plans for Thanksgiving, um, there's a couple of things, yeah, like, uh, she has a conversation with her mom about the fact that it's totally okay, the flights are too expensive, I'll just come from home for Christmas, she's supposed to be staying with her friend, unfortunately then her friend leaves her, <laughs> oh, that sucks, uh, her friend leaving her means that she gets to have her beamer for the weekend, Yeah, which will be a factor in the events. The fact yeah, that but she has that car. This is the most unbelievable aspect of the whole entire movie. When her friend gets unexpectedly called to spend time at Thanksgiving with her family, she was going to stay on campus, but then her dad is pausing her, his campaign. Yeah, why do they give this guy so much background? Also, what campaign is happening at the end of November? I don't know. So weird. Anyway, he pauses his campaign and they're going to Aspen. <laughs> For a ski weekend for Thanksgiving. She leaves with, like, a purse. (laughs) Yeah, and that's all she has for her ski weekend. Anyway, unexpectedly called away. She's obviously rich and well-to-do. She is a Christie. Yes. Basically. But that leaves Justine at the campus, and she is literally the only student on the entire fucking campus. There There are two security guards, one groundskeeper, and his dog... And Justine. And that is fucking it. And that is, is one of the most l- unbelievable things about it. It's a little difficult to believe. Yeah. Personally, I never stayed behind on my breaks. I will admit that. But when I went on one of my spring breaks, a big group of my friends stayed behind. So maybe that's, you know, that's spring break. So maybe that's not when, like, you'd be called home to be with your family. Right. But, but it still- doesn't seem ridiculous to be like, Mom and Dad, I'm going to see you in a month for Christmas. And we're going to have a longer break and not fly home. There's bound to be tons of students who aren't flying home. She's not the only student at that school that's getting federal grant money to go there. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to believe. But it's we need it for the premise of the film. You need to suspend your disbelief for this one thing in order to make the premise of the movie happen. And I struggled with it. But ultimately, it's like, well, if you want to enjoy the movie, you're going to have to just accept that as fact. Yes. Her her boyfriend really wants her to come with him, but she's just like, your mom looks down on me for not having money. Yeah, she asked me about how my my dishwashing program was going. 
Yeah. And then she's like, I want you to stay with me. And he's like, you know my family. I can't stay here. Right. Um, and then she gets kind of pissy, but then he leaves. He Well, he says, he pulls out his recorder, and he's like, Justine, I love you. And then hands it to her, and she turns it off. So she can listen to it while he's gone. But I'm sorry. No, 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 no. She was supposed to say that she loved him. He was keeping it. He wanted it for to, to have her. He wanted to record her saying, I love you. And she refused. And it's a very little explored aspect of this movie. It doesn't explore it very much how she's unwilling to tell her boyfriend she loves him. At least on a recording. It's so weird. And so he just keeps the recorder. recorder will come back. It will. But, like, I thought it was kind of subtle. It wasn't. How subtle is having a recorder in this day and age? <laughs> True. But, I mean, you could have just done that with your phone. You're right. But the way it comes back, I think, is, is how it's unique. And we'll talk about that. I definitely have it written down here. But it was at this moment that I wrote, are we supposed to like her? She's, she's like all fucking morose and mopey and refuses to tell her boyfriend that she loves him. Listen, if she doesn't love him, she's there's, she doesn't need to say that, but she should probably tell him she doesn't love him. (sighs) But like, it seems like they're in a great, happy relationship. Yeah. They have shit to deal with, with their families. Oh, they come from two different worlds, but she's just all fucking mopey and complainy. And like when offered to go with him, she's like, no, I don't want to, but I'm still upset that you're leaving. And later on, he's like, Hey, do you want me to come back? And she's like, no, don't come back. But you wanted me to stay before. Like, she's just all fucking mopey and complaining. And you're just like, are we supposed to like her? Cause she's kind of a bitch right now. Yes, we are. That really goes away after this kind of opening little bit here. You do start to really like her. But at the beginning, it's like, you're kind of annoying. Yes. So he leaves, blah, blah, blah. We find out that the lights inside the building are going to be on the blink. Because they're redoing all the wiring. And this is a real thing when construction starts and then a holiday happens. Everyone just goes home and you got to deal with the fact that there was construction here. For a long weekend, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. So that was entirely believable. Yes. But now there's a premise for why the lights are all wonky. Yes. Then we get this long, dumb, boring montage of her fucking dancing down the hallway and swimming. And yeah, and everybody's whistling. I don't know. I just it went on and on and I was like, why? I get it. She's by herself and she doesn't like it. Why am I watching this? Yeah. Then she's again on the phone with her boyfriend saying how quiet and peaceful it is and lies to her boyfriend about her roommate being there. Yeah. She says we're just hanging out, but it's not true. She's already gone. So then she is so bored that she decides to go and get some snacks from, like, it's like an AMPM. I forget what it's actually called in the movie, whatever. Which was a little difficult to believe that it would be open that late on Thanksgiving. But there are, like I, like I said, we talked about this when we were watching the movie. Yeah, I could definitely believe that this place would be closed. But there are some places like this that literally never close. True. There's never, a, like, they're open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. 
And as she's leaving, she says bye to the security guard, who, of Wayne. course, knows her personally and knows her roommate personally. And it's just like, I'm sorry, I didn't know any of the security guards on my campus. Yeah. And then as she's leaving, she tells the gate guard, I'll be back in 20 minutes, which, again. It's a non-factor. Doesn't mean it's anything. It's a non-factor. And then on the way, she listens to Lana Del Rey, which made me really happy. <laughs> I love Lana Del Rey. Uh, then she goes into the AMPM and she sees a hooded figure. And this hooded figure is dropping magazines on the floor just yeah. to be an asshole. Yeah. It's it's very obvious that this movie does not want you to empathize at all with the villains or their point of view. Yeah. They're saying these are villains and they're awful and everything they say or do is bad. Yes. They're – I want a discount. Well, we'll get there. I actually have something to say about that. Okay. She has this weird interaction. I think she picks something up for the person and she gets, says thank you. And then uh, she she's like, oh, the I The person like picks something up that she dropped. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she says thank you and she says, I like your car. And Justine just kind of stares at her. And then she says, you're so pretty and goes and like to, reaches touch out her, to touch her. Yeah. And Justine just walks away. Yeah. She's like, ah, and she walks away. So she's buying her stuff and the girl who is wearing these giant sunglasses so you can't see her face. And they act like it's a big deal when you can see her face, but it's yeah. like, I don't know who this person is, so it doesn't, it's not like it's a reveal. Also, another indictment of the youth today and how corrupt and stupid they are. She she has piercings in her lips. And she's super pale. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Can we talk about, though, that she's she's actually pretty attractive? She's very pretty. Like... Come on. If she wasn't if she didn't have that makeup on to make her look to so make pale, her look yeah like that and yeah. like dark circles under her eyes she'd be really pretty right so it's like I do not believe the whole I hate pretty girls who have everything mm-hmm. aspect of it when the main villain which is who this is like is actually a pretty young woman herself yeah white makeup and dark circles do not make a beautiful girl ugly they also just make her not as attractive also. You know, interesting piercings doesn't make her ugly either. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people, they look at one, they look at a person, they see piercings or tattoos and, and they're they go, automatically yeah. turned off. No, not at all me. I don't I give a shit. I think piercings and yeah. tattoos look good on people. So yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. When Justine walks up, he simply says, student, right? And then he gives her the discount. So the whole point here is that she didn't have to show. Oh, interesting. He simply assumed based on the way she was dressed and the way she behaved. She she had a BC jacket on. That's true, too. That was her boyfriend's jacket. Right. Yeah. But she had the school jacket on. So the guy could, you know, assume. But when the girl comes up and is like, I want a discount, he says, where's your ID? And he asked her for her ID. Exactly. So we're we're seeing that there is. A difference in how a person is talked to because based on their appearance. However, my only big problem with that is, yeah, she was just over in the background just knocking shit down. Yeah, she was being a I'd, bad customer. I'd I would be do a too. dick yeah. to her, too. Uh-huh. Totally. I would be like, where's your fucking student ID? And so, Justine, to not make things more awkward is just like, fuck it. I'll pay for the sunglasses. I'll pay for them. And... This girl is like, no, I don't want your charity. I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. And Justine says, you try to do something nice and this is the shit that you get. I can't believe she said that out loud. That's the kind of thing you say inside your head. She said the quiet part loud. I want a discount. 
And the other girl says, you don't know what shit is. You don't know what shit is. Which I also just love. Like, it's just like, yeah, a girl can be beautiful. A girl can have money. That does not mean she has not had bad things happen to her. Right. The assumption that, but then again, they're the villains. We're not supposed to empathize with their point of view. But the movie does put forward the point of view that... All those other girls did, in fact, die. Because they were too weak. Yeah. So, is the movie saying that? It's You see what I mean by the fact that the themes of this movie are very muddled. Yes. Very muddled. Yes. So, anyway, she goes outside. Well, no, before she does, she slams a $10 bill on the counter and says, You're the one, Christy. Christy. You're the one. Yeah. Letting the audience know, okay, she's been chosen. Yeah. So the villain chick goes outside. Justine pays for her stuff and leaves. And when she goes out, she has a very Christine moment where the he- the bright lights of the car flash at her. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it drives away. Yes. So she gets in her Beamer and drives off. And there are several moments, things that kind of don't pay off. You know, where she's not quite paying attention. On her way there, they do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, it's, everyone knows. It's those moments where you're like, driver, look at the fucking street <laughs> for the love of God. But nothing happens to her on the way there. It's the way back that she almost runs into this same car. Which is parked, parked in the middle, in the middle of, the road. of the street. Yeah. She sees that it's the girl. And instead of turning around and going back to that guy and saying, I think I should call the police. No, she just drives around her. Yeah. And when she gets back to the campus, she parks in front of where Wayne's station is. And there's a there's a security guard driving around. She doesn't flag that security guard down or anything. But she comes in and she talks to Wayne. She gives him the Mountain Dew and the pie that he asked for and is like, hey, there's somebody who was harassing me. Keep an eye out or whatever. She tells Wayne about this instance. Yeah, and he's like, you know, we got your back. And it's like, as soon as he says that, it's like, oh, he's gonna die, which fucking sucks. Wayne is dope as fuck in what little you see of him in this movie, and it does kind of suck that you know he's destined to die. Yes. Then, this is the part that I thought was really weird. In between her telling Wayne about the incident and her telling Aaron, her boyfriend, on the phone about the incident, we get a shot of her filling out her FAFSA forms. Oh, did we? Yeah. Oh. So random and out of nowhere, she's just a random shot between two very similar scenes, just her filling out her FAFSA phones or forms. I didn't notice. Yeah. It seems like an odd time to establish an explanation for how she can still be at that school and be poor at the same time. I think everyone knows about student loans. (laughs) Right? Also, she said earlier she has a scholarship. Right? (laughs) Why is this the thing? I don't know. It's very, very weird. It was was an odd, an odd moment. Like, that's the thing is this movie is very competently shot and competently edited for the most part. It's the actual content, what they're shooting and editing that can be really frustrating at some at some points. 
So then she's on the phone with her boyfriend and, and he's like, I'll come back. It'll be nothing. I'll be there in two hours. He's like, why didn't you tell me that she left? And yeah. she's like, I didn't want to worry you. Yeah. And so then we automatically know, okay, he's going to show up. Yeah. And we're thinking he's going to come save the day. Yeah. So she's walking through this place and there's bad lighting. And we get one of these moments where we see her close up from behind in the hallway and we get this long shot down the hallway and then all the lights turn off and nothing moves. And you're like, okay, I know what happens here. The lights turn on and there's something there. Even if it's a fake scare, the lights turn on and there's fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. But we do hear some whispers of Christy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's happening throughout this point. My point is this, this shot is I think that's really cool that they don't go for like a fake cheap scare in this moment it's respectable it tells the audience that the villains will be unpredictable yes and that you can't relax kind of ever it's pretty tense i'll give it that yeah it gets real tense here when she's walking around but they had to like pay off that concept and i was really worried that they were going to replicate the same exact experience except next time there was going to be somebody there and they didn't do that which i appreciate because we all we all know the trope. We don't need a setup and a payoff. We just need the payoff now at this point. And that's what we get is that no fake scare, just oh, you what you expect is going to happen might not happen. And I really appreciated that. But what I was worried about is that we we know why there's bad lighting and it's out of the villain's control. So I really was anticipating them to be like using the bad lighting to their advantage and scaring her and sneaking up on her. And that just made me think since they have no control, it'd be really funny if like one of the villains was like sneaking up on her and then the lights came on and they were like in mid sneak and they're like, oh, shit. Like in <laughs> and they just run away. bloody birthday. <laughs> what? He's sneaking and the lights come on him. <laughs> I just really desperately wanted a scene like that. That happened. That happened in Bloody Birthday. Yeah, and it was uh-huh. hysterical, that kid's face. Do you remember that kid's right, face? Right, yes. <laughs> I just, I lose a lot of respect for movies like that that do things like that, where it's it's the killer seems to use something that they have absolutely no control over to sneak up on people and scare people. And so, unless it's like intentional. Anyway. Well, he does end up at the end of the hallway at one point. She's walking down there, and the lights flicker on, and he is behind her. And she it's like she doesn't hear him, but she, like, feels him and turns, but he's already gone. Yeah. So that does happen. Right, but it's not, like, the centerpiece shot that this was. Right, and then she sees there's this wall in their, like, common room area with a billion pictures on it and we see that the eyes have all been scratched out in the pictures yes and then the movie felt that it was that we the audience wouldn't have noticed it until they did a fucking close-up yeah a real close-up and then we see them on multiple pictures they spend a lot of time on something that's really just pointless and it's totally for effect and the character never sees no but the character saw it and then was scared and got back into a room and then the camera needed to slowly um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, move that. in on it because we were too dumb to have seen it without it showing it to us up close. Yeah. Uh, as she's walking into her room, she can hear laughter and crying and screaming, and she finds one of the videos of a girl being killed up on her computer. Yeah. And then the internet goes out. 
like right after that because they apparently can hack into the internet. Yeah, there are a few problems like that. We'll get to one really bad one later. She sees Wayne outside and she tries to get his attention, but to no avail. And then the girl shows up. Yes, and she's in her room and she says, you got it all, Christy. She's like looking at shit or something. And then the girl, our main girl, just runs right by her. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because they are having fun with this. They but are why enjoying... would Justine know that? Right. Yeah. Justine just goes for it, which honestly, like, Good for so her. would I. I yeah. mean, it's one girl. That's all she knows at this point. Yeah. And that chick is skinny as fuck, which again, like, oh, you've had a problem with being pretty? Um, yeah. I'm sure you have. Her name is Violet, by the way. Uh, oh, and a beautiful name, too. Anyway... She, like, if I saw that chick coming after me, I would probably... Just, just like, try to push her down? <laughs> I would probably just try to attack her. I'm like, you're a skinny little bitch. You can't do shit to me. Yeah. I'd probably just take her down right then and there. Especially but a box doesn't. cutter. Whatever you whatever you try to do with the box cutter, like, that will only go, a, like, a half inch or an inch deep. That's not that deep. Just charge her. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you might get hurt, but it's not like a Bowie knife or anything. You've got an entire room... Right. Filled with things that you could use to your advantage. So here. she charges past her instead. Yes. And she goes to the front security desk and Wayne isn't there. So she turns and tries to escape, but the door is locked from the outside with like a pipe or a crowbar or something like that. It's at this point that Wayne shows up and is also trying to get in but can't and is like, get over there, hide or whatever. And then that's when he just gets nailed with a pipe. And then this other person, this man in this foil mask, just starts wailing on Wayne and killing Wayne. So now she realizes, okay, now there's more than one. And she tries to run, but they're like at all the exits. And then later we find out there's only four of them. But in this scene, it felt like there were way more than that. Yeah. I think that's intentional. Try to disorient her. But they show up and then they're recording her and they tell her, you know, the hunt begins. Run to God. The hunt begins. Run to God, Christy. And she does. She runs away again. Yes. She gets outside finally, and she finds that car, the security guard van that was that was driving around, the SUV, and opens it up, and the dude falls out, and he's dead. Well, but isn't this when she does the whole, like, she knocks the things in the kitchen to, like, get them to go there? Yes, 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 yes. So we Tell get this. That, okay, so I didn't yeah. write it, which is weird, because uh-huh. I really liked that. So she runs away, and... She makes her way to the kitchen, and this is, if not intentional, it'd be a crazy coincidence. (laughs) It is supposed to be absolutely evocative of Jurassic Park. Yes. And they go to this, you know, sort of, you know, large industrial kitchen with a lot of stainless steel, and she's hiding from them as these raptors are walking through and making noise instead of the tapping nails on the floor. It's it's scraping the knife across the countertops. And she's hiding in one of these cabinets underneath this table, just like in Jurassic Park. And she's watching them as they're going. And one starts to to walk away off screen. And as soon as that dude walks away and she's going to be feeling relieved that he's gone... Boom! Dude pops out face right in front of her and is like, ha ha! <laughs> and then we see what he sees and it's the empty cabinet. Yes. She had already left, which, which was cool. really fucking cool. 
that sort of subversion of ex- expectations, like it sets up the expectation. You know, like I can see where this is going and then it subverts it is really cool. There are other times when you can totally see the twist coming, but you're kind of okay with it because it's kind of cool. This movie has a lot of those like really cool moments. I think that it serves it very well. Mm-hmm. And then as she's walking out, she uh, makes sure to hit some pans to get them to go to that area. Yeah, and then she goes left. another area. Yes. So she gets outside. She finds that SUV that uh, the other security guard was driving around in, opens the door, and the dude falls out. He's dead, and the keys aren't there. Mm-hmm. So she runs across campus, and she finds the groundskeeper, Scott. She finds his house. He lives on campus with his dog. He's basically a Hagrid. Yes, he is. He's totally a Hagrid. That's exactly right. <laughs> And she goes there. She's like banging on the door. Let me in. Let me in. The the motion lights turn on when she does that. And he lets her in. And she says like, oh, there's people out there. They're trying to kill me. Lock the door. Lock the door. And he stops her. And he's like, listen, <laughs> you need to slow down and explain exactly what's happening because I am really high right now. <laughs> <laughs> listen. You gotta go real slow and explain to me what's happening because I'm really fucking stoned right now. Okay. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah, this is very okay. funny. Somewhere in this process, I feel like we should point out, she loses her cell phone. And we... It's, they never bring it neither up. Neither of us saw why she didn't have her cell phone on her. They just never addressed it. That she doesn't have her cell phone. I mean, they address how they take cell phones out of the equation other times throughout the movie, but her personal one never brought up. Yeah. And we know she has one because A, why the fuck wouldn't she? And B, because she uses it to call her mom and her bro- boyfriend. Yeah. Like, does she set it down when she goes to her room? They never show And then she leaves the room? But yeah, well, maybe they did and we both just happened to miss it. I don't know. Really weird. But she's tell Scott, where's your phone? Find your phone. And he goes off to find it. And he's like, stay with the dog. Titus. Titus. Who's essentially Fang. Yes. And he comes back, not with a phone, but with a shotgun. A double barrel shotgun. And he says, look, we're okay until the lights go on. But my response is, not if they cut the power. He ha- Those are set up to his own. He's on his own power grid, not, not their power grid. Oh. I think is the point. You know, he has a gun on campus and he has motion sensors. He's probably a little bit more prepared and survivalist. And then they killed Titus. So he goes out there. Like a moron. Like a fucking idiot. (laughs) And it's all foggy and he can't see anything and he fires the shotgun up. Now, why do you have a shotgun in your house? There are a few reasons. Well, he's the groundskeeper. He probably has to kill animals of prey and stuff. But the point, that's not the point. That's not, I'm not asking why he has one. Oh. <laughs> why do people carry shotguns in their house in general? They spray. Shotguns are awesome for self-defense and home defense because, number one, they make a noise when you cock them. Now, this movie does not have that type of shotgun, unfortunately. So they can't do that. Number two, they're very loud in other ways, like when you fire them, right? So he fires straight up and he's like, now you know I have a shotgun. Get the fuck out of here, right? But number three, they spread. Now, depending on what type of shotgun and what type of ammunition you're using, the pellets have different sizes, all that stuff. It's designed to where you do not have to be accurate. 
And they're not as deadly if you're not as accurate, but they can still hurt somebody and scare somebody away, right? So when Titus runs away from her and runs outside after these people that are out there in the fog and they're like, Titus, no. And then you hear him whimper and a sudden like hit, you know, Titus is dead. Mm. Fucking fire the shotgun in that direction. You'll probably hit them. Yep. But no, he doesn't do that. Instead, they toss his Titus's collar back at him and it's covered in blood. Mm -hmm. And we know Titus is dead. So we can hate them especially now. Mm-hmm. So he goes back inside and blah, 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 blah happens. Then he dies. <laughs> yeah, eventually he goes back outside because he sees somebody. And when he heads off in that direction, he gets nailed from just outside the door by somebody else. And then the way he dies is so weird. So they take him to a swing set. It's a college campus. And, he's and he doesn't have keeper. any kids. Like, why is there a swing set here? I have no idea. Like, and like, oh, well, they needed something to hang him from. There are trees all yeah. around uh, him. So anyway, she goes outside and he's hanging there from the swing set by a hose or something yeah, like that. And they're like, wow, Which, we're going to kill even, him. Would, would a hose even be able to hold a human body? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Those are really reinforced. But in any case, she just runs off in the other direction. Which is good for her. And she has his phone now. Yeah, she found his phone and she's running off and she calls 911, but doesn't, she's not able to get a hold Gets of anybody. Up or something. Yeah, because she, she's running away, so she can't stay on the phone. And then 911 calls back and she answers the phone and they're like, This is 911. And she's like, oh, There's killers. I'm on this campus and I'm alone and the security guys are dead and I'm headed to the library. I have a key to the library and I can lock it up. Which, why does she have a key to the library? I think it, she might have had his keys or something like that. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. That would make sense. And they're like, okay, good. Go there now, but stay on the phone, which is what you expect somebody at uh, 911 to, to say to you. Mm-hmm. And she goes inside and she hides and she's like, ah, okay, good. They're like, don't worry. You're safe. Christy. Well, they go through this whole conversation. And then she goes, thank you. And she says, you're welcome. Christy. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, oh, God. Yeah. And they're like, and and Violet on the other end says, well, don't you realize that the groundskeeper's phone is plastered all over this fucking campus? <laughs> and I like that was kind of a cool twist because we did, in fact, see that yes, that number did. everywhere. So, again, why not call 911 again? She doesn't. She doesn't for some reason. You're right. <laughs> that is kind of dumb. She could always call 911. Oh, no, she can't. Because this is what I this is what I wrote. It's so fucking funny. She gets a text message instead. It says, good hunt, fun filming you, time to die. And like, you know, kid text speech. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. And then an alert comes up on the phone that says network jammed. <laughs> That's right. Even if they had the means to jam the network, the phone wouldn't fucking say that. <laughs> It would just have no bars. <laughs> Network jammed. So fucking stupid. Like Kelsey pointed out while we were watching the movie that it's it's really fun and it's good in a lot of ways and it shows a lot of potential, but it's just really amateurish. Mm-hmm. It's like they 
they didn't think certain things through. Mm-hmm. But then other things, they had just these really fun ideas that they wanted to implement, like this next one. It felt like I was reading like a high school senior who has a lot of potential. Yeah. In their creative writing class, wrote a script. Yes. <laughs> So she does this really resourceful trick next as they're encroaching upon her in the library. She's hiding and then all of a sudden this noise happens and they all run towards it. It's her cell phone that she's been carrying, except they find just the phone on its own. She had set a timer to distract them, which Which was was really resourceful. Yeah. But again, (laughs) what does any of her resourcefulness have to do with being poor? Muddled themes. They never establish that she's had some sort of tough life or anything. Mm -hmm. Just that she has loans to go to college. And fucking everyone does. Like, come on. That's absolutely ridiculous. The themes, again, really, really unclear. And that whole awesome plan was fruitless because she just goes up to the fucking uh, Roof. roof. Yeah. And they get stuck there. She gets stuck there. And they're like, all right, time to die. It's over with. And they're recording her. And she's just like. You know what? No, fuck it. I'm going to try to get away. You're going to kill me anyway. So if I die trying to get away, whatever. At least I died on my own terms. I know Kelsey really respects this. I do. And she just fucking jumps off the roof into the trees. I don't respect a movie that says that you'll survive that and be perfectly okay. She limps away for a couple <laughs> she times. She does not limp. She limps she away. <laughs> she limps away and then she's fine after that. They 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 don't But ever that's totally me. what I would do. I would yeah. just be like, Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> jump. I would rather if I die on the floor after I jump off this building, that's better than giving you guys the satisfaction. So I did me. have a lot of respect for that. And then, yeah. And then I was just like, oh, no, she's but the point totally is, okay. She falls through these thick trees. She gets beat up falling through, but it slows her down enough to where she, she just basically jumped out of a tree now. I can believe that if you fall through the tree like that, it would slow you down. I can believe that she might survive. I can't believe that she'd just be like, I'm okay. Well, she drags her foot away. I did notice that. But then it's never mentioned again. And they go to this like parking structure to try to track her down and they can't find her anywhere. And this is when Aaron shows up. Yes. The boyfriend said, she said, don't come. And he said, okay. And he came anyway. Good for him. He shows up and he sees a girl kind of run away from him into the parking structure. But doesn't hear his actual girlfriend yelling his name. Yes, which is really weird. And I don't know if this is like the stadium or a parking structure or what. It's big concrete pillars and open areas. Par- I think it's a parking structure. Yeah. And he he runs in after her and her back's towards him. And he's like, Justine? And she's not turning around. It's like, dude, Aaron, Aaron, how much <laughs> of a fucking idiot are you? Yeah. That's obviously not your girlfriend. And he keeps approaching her. And, and she's not turning around. And then girlfriend comes further away on the other side of him and is like, Aaron, stop. No. And he's like, huh, Justine? Well, then who are you? And then he like keeps headed after her. Who are you? And, <laughs> and then, then she turns. And, and she we turns. see her face. And it's like it's a big reveal, but it's not. Uh, we obviously know who she is. And then one of the dudes, the three extra dudes, comes out and just stabs him. Yeah, it's it's a lot like in The Shining. It's just like when Dick Halloran shows up finally. Yes. And then just acts to the chest. Yes. So that sort of subversion, it's been a long time since we've seen something like this. Something that, by the way, was keenly unpopular by fans of the Stephen King novel (laughs) when they saw this in the movie. Uh, Nowadays, I think it's easy to appreciate that, (laughs) that it's just such an epic subversion of expectations. And this kind of joins in on that fun. And she screams, no, no, 
And then she's like, no, no. And it's this really Wyatt Earp. You're in resistance. It's this Wyatt Earp in tombstone moment. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Hey, what? No. No. What? What are you doing? No. No! No! Yes. <laughs> and she has turned now at this point. She's like, fuck you guys. I My objective is no longer to get away. You guys need to fucking die now. You're going down. Yes. And it's awesome that we get this little turn. I like her being more active. No matter how they got there, I gotta say, I really like that she takes a more active role at this point. And instead of just being keen and surviving, she's gonna go after them and she's gonna be smarter and she's gonna be more resourceful. Again, Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with her being poor. (laughs) So there's a cool, there's a few cool scenes we get as a result of this. One person tracks her down to the pool. Which, how did she get in there? I guess she's got the groundskeeper's keys. Yeah, or, you know, even still, she's a member of the swim team. She might have access, you know, whatever. We never get confirmation that she's on the team, but whatever. It doesn't and she, I mean, she has one of those red one pieces like she is on the team. You can buy a red one and, piece. And a swimming cap. And yeah, If you, I wanted to, I could buy all of those things. But why would you if you weren't on the swim team? I enjoy swimming. Uh huh. I do. Says the person who was on a swim team. It's true. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, as this person is on the other side of the pool and walking around with a flashlight, she crawls across the ground, slides into the pool, and just sits there along the edge with just her head out of the water. And as the light swings around, she dunks her head. And it's kind of this really long oneer where we see her go under the water and she's holding her breath and we're just focusing on her in close-up. We have no idea what's happening outside of the water, although occasionally we see a flashing a, a flashlight shine into the water. And she's struggling to hold her breath. And it's very well done, I think. It's a little difficult to believe that they don't see her or the bubbles of her air. But right, never. especially when we see that they see something else in there. But... She finally can't hold her breath anymore, and so she pops up as quiet as she can. And again, we can't see anything happening outside of just her. She's in close-up. Exactly. So, I mean, she could literally pop up and he could be sitting right there. And he could be standing right there. Which is what I would be afraid of. Right. Which is why I would probably go out into the middle, although I also understand you don't want to go out in the middle and make you more noticeable. Right. But like an It Follows moment, to get to you, they're going to have to jump into the pool and you're a better swimmer. Exactly. So that's that's what you would expect. That's where I thought it was going. But no, she pops up and the dude's not there. Yeah. And that allows her to hide again. And when she does, she she get, finds her swimming goggles and Somewhere, she puts her swimming goggles in magically. there. Magically. And this dude coming by with the bat. Because he saw that there was a she, mess. She laid, no, she laid a hose into, into the pool. And it's like making noise. And he's like looking at it and what's going on. And she just comes running out and knocks him down into the pool. And the camera kind of follows them in in this really cool uh, shot. And then they go underwater and she's behind him and grabs the, the bat and chokes him out underwater with the bat and it's fucking awesome it's very cool it's really really cool i wrote down here 
the kill in the pool is pretty dope. Mm -hmm. And so now she has an aluminum bat. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. And she goes and she she goes into the supply closet and she Good finds thing, a few things. Good thing it's right there and has all the things she needs. Not all the things she needs, just <laughs> some of the things she needs, including a box of nails and some aluminum. What do you call them? The binders, you know the 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 circles that you screw tighter. And she they those things have holes in them, so she puts the nails through the holes and then binds it or binds several of them around the aluminum bat. And I thought this was fucking ingenious. You screw it tight, and it stays in place. Into the bat? No, it's just a binding circle that gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and it's squeezing on the bat. Oh, okay. So you've seen wooden baseball bats with long nails, you know, hammered through them Mm -hmm. in, like, zombie movies and stuff like that. This is an aluminum bat with that same effect, and I thought that that was a really ingenious way of making that happen. Mm-hmm. It, it was very, very resourceful. I Again, agree. has nothing to do with her being poor. <laughs> so another guy comes into the pool, and he finds the dead body. And what does he do? He takes a picture of it. Because that's how so that's how disaffected that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't know what to do with something like that, so they just take a picture of it. That's all the youth knows how to do is share pictures on social media. They don't know how to process anything. See, a theme that is so obvious and yet so thinly explored. <laughs> oh, we missed the kill with the car. Oh, yeah, you're right. So immediately after Aaron dies, she gets in Aaron's car and drives away, and this, and this killer jumps on the hood a la the T-1000 from Terminator 2, and, like, is hitting it, and he refuses to fall off, and she breaks to try to jostle him off. Yeah, I saw a review of this movie that was angered by the idea that she didn't stop to get him off the car. She tries, like, three times. Yeah, and he's holding on tight. He's not just resting on the car. He has it gripped by the top of the hood, and so he has a good hold. Mm -hmm. And so... She just runs him right into a post and kills him that way. Yes, that's all before she gets into the pool. Yes. So anyway, now she has this bat and the other guy's dead. So that's two down. And then the third dude took a picture of that one and is now looking for her. And she's in the showers and she hears him. He's slowly going through all the stalls, just like every horror game you've ever played. (laughs) And he, he hears her. Her like muffled kind of gasps and and whimpers, and we see we cut to her, and I'm like, it's kind of weird that we we see her trying to like compose herself and stay calm, but we never see her whimper. Also, I didn't believe that she would be whimpering at this point, but he does. That's all it takes. It doesn't matter if you believe it; he has to believe it. He opens the door, he opens the curtain, and he sees the recorder that Aaron had. That she had listened to earlier to hear him say he loves her and she was crying. And you thought that that was the payoff of the recorder. Nope. <laughs> this is the payoff of the recorder. Mm-hmm. And she just nails him in the side of the head with this bat. And he's like dying right there in front of her. And she's like, no, you are going to fucking die. And she's kind of shivering and shaking. But she's like, she has her will. She's killed three of them now. And she takes off his mask and like watches him die. And he's just a kid. He's just yeah. like a teenager. That's the point. Oh, they're just kids. And she kind of cries. And I, th- I would say that she's crying because, well, of course, because of what she's been through. 
But also just like, this is just all just senseless violence. Like, and I now have had to kill three human beings yeah. that I never wanted to do in yeah. my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think it's a good moment. Yeah. Where it's It's just, earned, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though it, the reason it happened is because of the recorder, which is a little too similar to the alarm on the phone earlier, but it is a nice subversion of the fact that you thought it had paid off already and it comes back again. It's Chekhov's second gun. And all in all, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like kind of all over the place. It does things really well. And then it does things kind of poorly. And it's, it's, it has peaks and valleys like that, which is really, really interesting. And then she leaves the bat there. Pissed me off. Yep. She leaves her weapon um, because the dude had a knife. Oh, she took the knife. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. The knife doesn't get used anyway. She looks through another supply closet again. She goes back to that supply closet and grabs more things. And, and she, she grabs his phone. And grabs his phone. And she dresses up like him. You know, she she finds... Text messages. The text messages. Oh, did you kill chick. this girl yet? Yes. Okay, get to the car. All right, I'll be there. Or get the car ready. And like, okay, I'll be there. And so the chick's going to the car. And so... She goes to the car, we see Violet in the car, and all of a sudden, just powder through the side window. And it's everywhere. And Violet's like, what the fuck? And comes out, gets out of the car, and sees the dude, right? And then she takes off her mask and is like, no, it's me. You know, I'm- She's like, what is this? And the main girl says, unexpected outcome. An unexpected outcome. And- takes a bucket of water and just splashes it on her. And we saw from earlier the sodium nitrate, when it interacts with water, it ignites. And the teacher said it was an unexpected outcome. And this girl, Violet, just goes up in flames. (laughs) And it's kind of an evocative shot. It's really interesting. (laughs) It's kind of cool. I thought it was really, really clever. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then there's this, like, pulsing music she picks up the phone of violet and she explores this website that they're Felt very on much ma- very matrix yeah because it's like it's traveling through the internet and, and stuff like that like the the hunt is over like, you yes. know very matrix uh-huh <laughs> and you know it's all being communicated through message boards and stuff like that and we can see that this has been happening all over the country and then she leads a bunch of cops. And, yeah, I'm like, oh, God, are they setting up sequels? No. Nope. At least not directly. She just reports them. Fucking good for her. Yes. A sequel isn't totally impossible now, but it wasn't like, now I shall be the angel of vengeance <laughs> and I shall take out every one of these cells. It's like, no, she hands it over to the cops and the cops break up all those cells, yes. which I thought was pretty cool. Yes. You know, it, it it's the more believable thing. That's why. Not necessarily like, let the cops do their job, but it's at least more believable that that would be more effective. Much and it's more this, effective. Yeah, uh-huh. In any case, could be sequels, but not necessarily. And then it ends so disappointingly with her saying, Justine is dead. Yeah. I am Christy. Yeah. Justine is dead. Christy. Fucking serious? Yeah. Did you think that that was going to be cool? I think so. Like I said, high school senior with lots of potential. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> I I feel like the writer and director, Anthony Jeswinski, the writer, and Oliver Blackburn, the director, 
like they can go places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this dude ended up writing The Shallows. Which we haven't seen. It's on our list. Yeah. Anthony Jaswinski and the director, Oliver Blackburn, he directed Donkey Punch, which I, I guess you saw and I didn't. Yes. What did you think of that? I barely remember it. I saw it a long time ago. I think it was okay. Yeah, he did that before he did this. Uh, and he's done a couple TV series since since this, but hasn't done much. But I think they have a lot of, like, you know, potential. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it's very well shot. I think it's very well written. But again, peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And the messages are all over the place and very unclear. Is it Heisenberg versus Einstein? Is it rich versus poor? Is it if you are rich, you can't be resourceful? Is it God versus uh, the anti-religious people? Like, what is the message here? Very, very unclear. Mm-hmm. Lightning round, Kelsey. I don't have anything. At yeah. one point, she whispers to herself, you can do this. Which I thought was cool. I was like, yeah. that would be me. That would be me talking yeah. to myself. <sighs> you can do this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I covered everything I wanted to cover. Yeah. So what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? How about a 64? What if I told you it doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes score, but it does have an audience score? Would that change your mind? No. 64? Yeah. Got a 43. Ooh. No Metacritic, no cinema score. Okay. Underrated so, or overrated? So Underrated. So do I. What probably would you give, give it? it a 60. I'd probably give it more than that. I mean, it's nowhere near in 70s territory, but at least a 65, I'd say. Okay. Because, like we say, it has a lot of potential here. It does. And it does things really, really well. There's that subversion of the Jurassic Park moment. There's the alarm on the phone. There's the jump off the roof. There's the aluminum bat with the nails. There's the sodium nitrate kill. Like, it does a lot of really cool, inventive, and fun stuff. It's just really fun. Mm-hmm. But it's also really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I can't give it a great score. But it's 43 or whatever I said. That is way underrated. Mm-hmm. All right. That was 2014's Christie. That thus concludes our Thanksgiving week with... Home Sweet Home, and Christy. But Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week, we were going to watch Hereditary. And I had a friend recommend that with Hereditary, we watch a movie called The Devil's Reign. The Devil's Reign? Yes. Sammy Sam 6 on Twitter recommended we do Hereditary with Exorcist because they both have named demons in them. Uh, Paymon and Hereditary and Pazuzu and The Exorcist, which I thought was a pretty cool theme. Um, but Sammy, we were planning to do Hereditary already with something else. And, and The Exorcist with something and else. And we will definitely get to both of them and we'll see what we can do about moving them up. You said we were going to do Hereditary though. Are we not? No, we are. Next week okay. is The Devil's Reign and Hereditary. Yeah. I was wondering when we'd get to Hereditary. Actually, I responded to Sammy and was like, you know, I don't know. We we already t- kind of talked about it. But and we said we were going to do a full episode on it. Yeah. And so here we are. Yes. This is going to happen. So thank you for the recommendation, Sammy. And um, thank you for the recommendation, Adam. Thank you, Adam. We will do uh, we will do Hereditary and... The Devil's the Reign. The Devil's Reign. Is that R-A-I-N or R-E-I-G-N? R-A-I-N. Oh. So like rain, like water from the sky. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes. All right. It is going to be a fun one. It's got 
It's from 1975. It's got Ernest Borgnine. Oh. It's got William Shatner. Ooh. John Travolta. What? Yes. What? Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm way more excited about that now. <laughs> and that is next week. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com where you can browse all of our episodes and a list of every movie we've ever had on the show. I realize I've been tagging every episode, uh, but there I hadn't actually surfaced a search function to search those tags. So you can click on a tag that you see, but you couldn't search them. So I added that to the site. You can do that now. There's even a cloud, a tag cloud, where it'll show you what our most common tags that we add on movies actually are. And usually it's seasonal or holiday or double feature. But also John Carpenter is really high up there. There are a few others that are really high up there. So there you can browse every single movie we've ever had on the show. That's a really easy way to get into our back catalog if you're joining us late. Just find a movie that you like and listen to that episode and just rinse and repeat. You can leave a comment under every episode there to share your thoughts. Or you can recommend a movie or two for us to cover in a future episode just like Sammy and Adam. You can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at podcemetery where I'll add comments, uh, things we think of after the mics are off. Sometimes Kelsey will live tweet a movie she's watching with winter break coming up. Maybe she'll end up doing that. Or with me gone in Omaha next week, maybe she'll do one this week. I'm thinking about it. We'll see how that goes. Actually, it will have already passed by the time this episode airs. True. (laughs) Ah, damn. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. It's especially helpful if you can give us five stars and an actual written review. So if you're not doing anything... I'd really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Of course, sharing us with your friends is even more helpful. And even more helpful than that is just the fact that you guys listen in the first place. Yeah, lovely people, you. We love you lots. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, do you have any last words? I need a beer. You don't need a beer. I don't. Stop right there. Or is it right now? Now. Thank you very much. How's the rest of it going? Hey, you, always on the run. Gotta stop right now. Have some fun. God, that movie is so dumb. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the arsonist has oddly shaped feet. You know New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York. The sassy shepherd struggles with syphilis. Where is my brain right now? And the closed captioning spelled it B-I-M-M-E-R, Bimmer. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) You're a skinny little bitch. You can't do shit to me.